Warning, 30 Screams or Less may contain spoilers about movies that have recently been released. If you haven't seen the movie, go watch it, come back, and enjoy the show. Or, if you don't want to waste your time watching the movie and rather have two random horror dudes watch it for you, we got you covered as well. Welcome everyone to 30 Screams or Less, a horror movie podcast where we review horror movies in 30 minutes or less. Today's movie we're going to be talking about is the 1997 Funny Games, the original, the German version. It's a German version, right? Yeah, I thought so. Okay, because it was in a completely different language and I was like, that sounds German and you asshole because I had to find this thing on like Canopy which is another streaming app, and we could have watched the American version, which is a shot-by-shot shot remake. But Yeah, yeah, we fun. had a little miscommunication about, <laughs> about that. Actually, no, not miscommunication. It was you not fucking reading. Yeah, nope, it was me not reading, but like, uh, which one are we doing? You're like, you, we just two? Yeah, we just, no, we decided to do the movie, and you said, do you want to do the remake or the 1997 one? And I said the 1997 one, and then... I don't know, a couple of days later, you're like, oh, we're going to do the new one, right? I started taking notes on the new one. I'm like, no, you asshole. <laughs> Scroll well, up. The notes apply for both. It's it's <laughs> like I said, it's shot by shot. I could have not watched this movie and like been fine. So yeah, the movie we're reviewing is a 1997 version of Funny Games written and directed by Michael Henke? Henecke. Henecke. We'll go with Henecke. Henecke sounds good. Henecke. Okay. Starring Suzanne Lothar as Anne, the mother. Ulrich Muhi, Mu, it's M-U-H-E. It's got like the two dots, like the Motley Crew of the U. That so, type so side note, did you know that Suzanne and this Ulrich guy were a real life couple when they made this movie? I did not know that. Yeah, and Ulrich is dead now. Oh, I know, rip. Actually, two people are dead, and I'm going to mention that too. Arno Frisch as Paul, Frank Gearing as Peter, Rest in peace at 38. And Stefan Klapsineski. I, I fucking butchered that. Like, we're just going to... It's Stefan. It's Stefan. As Schwarzky. Okay. <laughs> this is why I wanted to do the American version. Because you couldn't, <laughs> couldn't pronounce the names? Okay. Just Google it. Just IMDB. You'll look mm -hmm. at it and go, well, I can see why you couldn't pronounce that because that's tough. Especially when you're like, you know, an American and you don't really have... Too much experience with German language and names and stuff. So uh, it's tough. But the plot of this movie is two violent young men take a mother, father, and son hostage in their vacation cabin, not a cabin at all, by the way, and force them to play sadistic games with one another for their own amusement. The reason why I say not a cabin is because this thing looks like a borderline mansion. I mean, if I said, oh yeah, I have a cabin, I'm thinking log cabin. I'm not going to be freaking rolling up to a gated house with two or three floors and stuff like lakefront. No, that's a mansion. Oh yeah. So, this is a very nice house. Yes. It is quite a nice house. We'll get into it. 30 Screams or Less starts now. Corey, what did you think of Funny Games, 1997? So um, this is another one that I've wanted to watch for a long time, and we decided to finally do it. And, mm -hmm. um, dude, this was hard to watch. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard it was a very brutal, like, obviously sadistic and very depraved movie, but holy shit, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for what I watched. 
Really? Uh, you weren't? So you didn't see the remake, and this is your first time seeing this one. Like, yeah. uh, wow. I don't like. I don't like watching remakes. Like, if there's a movie that I haven't seen and there is a remake, I always want to watch the original first. Yep, that's fair. Completely fair. I mean, that's like us watching. What's the name of that movie that What's His Face is probably going to be in? Oh, oh, um, oh my god, the Swedish movie. Yeah, the Swedish one where they cut the kid's tongue out with like play school scissors. Okay, it's not, not play school no scissors. Evil. They, speak no evil with uh, James McAvoy. That's it. it. Was play school scissors? They were fucking construction paper scissors. They look dull as shit. So yeah, James McAvoy. That's right. Was yes. James McAvoy in the remake of this? No, no, he was not. So that'd be the equivalent of us seeing Speak No Evil, the American version, instead of the original version first. I mean, so, and I saw the original, well, no, I'm sorry. I saw the American version of this first before I saw the original one. And then as I'm watching, I'm like, this is identical. This is borderline identical. Uh, Like every shot seems exactly the same. If you watch it side by side, you're going to be like, the only thing that's different is it's in English. That's kind of crazy because- Whenever there's a remake of something, usually they change up most of it, you know? Yeah, like everything about it. I was like, I know this part. And I'm thinking like back to the remake. I'm just like, wow, this is so similar. It is shot for shot exact. I don't think there was anything different. So th- this is one of the coolest parts to me in this movie was the, f- the the opening shot when they're in the car. And like we have an old school CD player right off the bat, right? They're mm-hmm. fucking to put a CD in there and the, the, the opening camera shot following the car overhead. But then we get that like soft music into like heavy metal transition. <laughs> what the fuck? It, so, it, it was literally soft music in the like cradle of filth. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> so I looked it up before. It's Bonehead by Naked City. Naked City. It's a jazz band. It's got this whole ensemble. That thing in the back of the that's a saxophone. Then you have the guys screaming, and I don't think they're actual lyrics. I think they're just screaming on jazz timing, which is whatever the fuck you feel like. It's nuts. So the first time I saw this movie and listened to that band, by the way, was in Canada. We were on tour in Canada and top 10 most stoned my guys have ever been in their entire lives. Oh, shit. Dude, it was a 24 hour smoke session. 24. It had to have been 24 hours because it was just nonstop. Maybe it was like 12 hours. Still, they smoked till they were all fucking toast and on the floor. Was this before or after you had to ditch all the uh, remaining drugs on the side of the road? It was after. Before we had to uh, ditch the drugs because we were going over the Canadian border and like we didn't want to bring a pound of weed with us. That wasn't going to fly. We dropped the weed off right at the hospital where I had conjunctivitis. They left like a pound of weed there in a bowl for whoever decides to like stumble upon it. And then when we went to the Canadian border, we played some shows. And then this guy's like, I'll set you guys up for the night. And we're like, okay. So we're talking bowls, bongs, joints, knives. The fucking lung thing where you just tie like a bread bag around a half cut Pepsi bottle, like all these things. And these guys were like, no more. No, we can't. (laughs) And we watched funny games while this was happening. And then we go ordered some weird pizza that was like stuffed pizza. I don't know. It was a crazy night. What is wrong with stuffed pizza? Like, what does that mean? So the crust or like the whole thing. So think of it as a calzone, right? Calzone. It's really just a pizza flipped over. But- this was like a pizza, regular pizza, and it had the dough on top, and like dough encased the whole thing. 
and you cut it and the like all the pizza stuff was inside. It was like a pie, but inside it was pizza. So it, it was a calzone, basically. But it was shaped like a regular pizza. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was odd, but I, I mean, it was good. They liked it, but yeah, it was crazy. I watched that, and then I remember like being like, I got to see this movie again, and I got to show my friends. When I got home, I fucking downloaded this thing on Xbox 360, and one of our crazy Halloween parties, I decided I'm going to you know play it for people. And, you know, the Halloween parties we used to have, I didn't know you at the time. And if you were there, you would have been like, what the fuck is happening here? Because it was just pure chaos all the time. We threw some awesome parties, mostly Halloween parties. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time I saw this movie, the remake, but the actual 97 version up until a couple of days ago, that's the first time I've seen it. And like I said, shot by shot, but it was great. It is very chaotic. It's you know, and psychotic. The whole movie is just bonkers, but we'll go through it, right? Uh, yeah, music transition at the beginning, that kind of just sets the tone of this crazy movie. So yeah, we're watch- I'm watching this movie, and it starts off, they're driving to the cabin, the music hits, it's crazy. They stop and they see a neighbor, and you know, they're waving, like, you don't think anything of it, and they're just hanging out with these two kids, and they're all dressed in white, and you don't think anything of it, but it turns out the kids... We're doing the same exact thing to that family that they're about to do to this family. Like we forgot to mention the fact that these families are all going on vacation so they can play golf together, which I was just like, golf's fucking boring. Why would you do that? Don't cancel me. Whoever's out there heard, heard that. No, um, in, the, in the words of Robin Williams, whack the ball, get in the cart, whack the ball, <laughs> get in the cart. So I, I thought it was hilarious. So like the, the family that, we see get tortured throughout this movie gets to their cabin or whatever and the mother's in the kitchen making lunch and this dude just knocks on the door looking to borrow some eggs right and she's like oh sure come on in and she lets this dude in and he's wearing gloves i'm like that's a telltale sign right there granted they were golf gloves but it just seems awkward very very strange you know yeah anyone that's walking into the house just wearing golf clubs and they don't have any golf clubs probably a bad sign yeah and then like his buddy shows up wearing fucking gloves one eggs yep what is it with eggs man i think it was just pure psychological like not torture but that's where the psychology started kicking in like these people knew what the hell they were doing this is not their first go around at this uh, lunacy. They've definitely done this before, clearly, because they just did it to the neighbors before them. And I'm thinking to myself, so this whole ordeal with this family is like 12 hours, right? Like they said, oh, yeah, we'll see if you can make it to like, was it sunrise, 9 a.m., something like that. So it was hours and hours of torture. And they did the same shit to the people next door. So they were putting in some serious work and torture. This isn't their first rodeo by any means. They probably did it even before this whole session. And because later on the, at the end of the film, they go to the next family. So they just keep going. They just go, go, go. And I didn't see them sleep. They've probably been up for 30 something hours for all I know. No, they, they kept them up. And like George decides to try and do something about this. And who was it? Was it Paul that grabbed the golf club and whacked him in the knee? Yeah, it was Paul. I couldn't imagine getting hit in the knee with a golf club. But the crazy thing about this movie is that they did so much with so little, they held them hostage with a golf club. Yeah. That's it. Psychology and a golf club. So that's another thing I was thinking. Like, these dudes are getting fucking held hostage with a golf club. Like, I would try and fight back if I'm just getting held hostage with a golf club. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a freaking golf club. You know what you have to do in order to like really hurt someone with that? You have to get that thing back and swing it. Not to mention, if you're going to try to swing that thing you and you need to have pinpoint precision if you're going to have like the end of the club. Otherwise, it's just like you're getting whipped with the long pole of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've seen plenty of wrestlers get hit by kendo sticks. That'd be like the equivalent. It'd just be like, fuck, ow. A lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Just a lot of, ow. Damn so it. this, this, we forgot to mention Rolfie, the family dog. Oh, no. Is barking at Peter and Paul. Trust just barking dogs, at everyone. them, right? Yeah. This is why you always need to trust dogs. They know when shit is up because Rolfie is, he is barking at these kids nonstop. Like he knows some shit is up. And mm-hmm. uh, eventually, like Rolfie, he gets killed. Rip. And then Anna finds the body. And then she finally discovers that these kids are fucked up. She doesn't really realize it until probably that point, right? Right. So one of them that was like actually continuously asking for eggs, you know, he got the eggs, dropped them, got the eggs again, dropped them because of the dog. And then his friend came in and was like, oh, yeah, those are some great clubs you have there. Can I try it? He went outside and he tested it without a golf ball and clearly hit the dog because you can hear the um in the background, the dog making the... Uh, the, the standards, the yelps, the standard sounds you hear in movies of a dog getting attacked. And it's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it was rough. So, and, like, yeah. And, like, right after this happens, they play kitten in a bag. Kitten in a bag. That scene is crazy because that's pure psychological terror right there. Like, they put the kid's head inside a pillowcase and just held it tight. And it's pulled against his face. It's just pulled tightly against his face. And the idea was so he wouldn't see his mother stripped naked. And so they were forcing the mom to strip naked. And obviously they were nice enough to not let the kids see their mom in that condition. But jeez, just pure like psychological nice, terror. I like how you say nice enough. Yeah. Nice enough to, for they them were to good be like, kids. yeah, they were good kids. Good guys. Good guys. <laughs> But yeah, that, that whole kitten in a bag thing was pretty awful because I was curious, like if you go on IMDb and you look at what the poster of the movie is, it's that kid with a pillowcase over his head. Yeah. When I yeah. saw that, I'm like, oh God, like I wonder what, this is obviously part of the movie. I wonder where we're going to see this. Yeah. And then I saw it and I was like, oh shit. It's is a pretty wild scene. Honestly, the whole thing is wild. That scene, very uncomfortable. You know what I'm wondering too is like they must be pounding water. To be crying that much through a movie. Think of how how dehydrated you're going to have to be after a while. Unless they're spritzing them with some sort of like water sprayer, right? Just like, okay, we need to make sure you look sweaty and crying and gross. And go. Scene. But yeah, she was, just looked like she was constantly crying. You know, they had her stripped naked. You didn't see it, but it alluded to it, obviously. Because it was just like a collarbone up deal. But you can tell she was taking off all her clothes. Uh, Yeah, yeah. She did later. Yeah, well, no, not really. I don't think she was being held up, though. Yeah, she got down, like, she changed clothes because I think she got blood on the clothes she was wearing. It was, yeah, I think she got some blood on the clothes, but it was a very weird scene because the husband's like, okay, get dressed and get shoes on. And I'm thinking, like, who gives a fuck about getting dressed? Get some shoes on. Go to the fucking cops, right? You don't have to worry about how you're going to look if you're in serious danger like that. You have to get the hell out of there. But that's after the absolute pure utter chaos of this movie. Like the whole movie's crazy, but this one scene in particular is gut wrenching. And Corey, we're not even there yet. And because this part's I love, I want to talk about, and I think it's really cool. 
one of my favorite scenes, and it's just it's it doesn't make sense as to why it'd be one of my favorite scenes. It's when the sun breaks away and makes a run for it. And this is actually right after Kitten in the Bag. Because he pissed himself, right? And then he just freaking took off running. Went to another house, found that family that they were probably taken hostage earlier because they were all dead in the house. The kids saw that. And he found a shotgun, which good on him. And also the smart thing to take off your wet pants that were actually leading a trail to the house and stuff or around the house. I love how he thought of this, but he didn't think to make sure the fucking shotgun had bullets in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, what is he probably <laughs> what is he like? I mean, he's probably eight. He probably doesn't know how to do that. Right? I mean, he, he literally walked through a swamp like he was Rambo to get to these people's house. So yes. he does this. He, like you said, he takes the pants off so he doesn't leave the trail. He takes a shotgun and then he pulls the gun on Peter and he pulls the trigger and it just goes, you know, click. So yeah. no ammo. Peter literally just laughs in his face. Yeah. So what I was going to say is my favorite part was Peter just strolling along, you know, after uh, the kid's name who I cannot pronounce. <laughs> and he just like, not a care in the world, just jogging. I thought that scene was so cool because it shows how crazy they are and that they're just in no rush to mess with these people. They're there for the long haul and they're fine with just taking their time. But yes, so the kid's got the gun and Peter's like, Oh, go ahead, shoot. Uh, you need to cock the gun. He's telling him how to do it, and gun's empty, and all he says is, boom. It's a complete disregard for life. He clearly doesn't care about living, only wants to cause cure, chaos, madness, carnage, whatever. So, what was the kid's name? The little kid? Yeah. It's Shorsky. I think they call it, like, Georgie uh, in the remake. That's what it is, Georgie. Well, because I'm looking at IMDb, and, like, the Shorsi and the George character, like, I think their thumbnails are messed up. Yeah, they are. But yes, I had to do a little digging on that. I'm like, who the fuck is this kid? And yeah, it's it goes by Shorsky. So it's S-C-H-O-R-C-H-I, Shorsky. So they're probably saying it like that, but it sounds like Georgie, right? So yeah. uh, a Shorsky, or we'll say Georgie, just so we can make things a little easier for us. Georgie's the uh, little kid. Then there's George, who's just the father. Anna, that's mother. Peter, uh, I'm sorry, Peter is the other kid, the like the one that keeps getting called Fatty. He's dead. He's the one that's 38. Um, Paul is the one that seems like he's kind of running the show. Okay. Yeah. So we're getting our people mixed up a little bit, but I got a little mixed up when it was like George and Georgie. And then there was like another Paul that they were trying to call. And I'm like, okay, there's a lot of people with similar names going on. What's happening? So got a little confused there. So they get the kid back to the house, and now that they have the shotgun, Paul goes, oh, yeah, I'm hungry. He goes into the kitchen, starts making a sandwich, and then you hear a commotion happen in the background, and a shotgun goes off, and then pure silence. And Paul is just completely unfazed by this whole thing. Like I said, this is not their first time doing this, and he just he doesn't even care. He just knows that all oh, this shit's going to happen, whether it's me or him doing it. Dude, and this scene, you know what? Feel free to talk about it because you love your dead kid rating system. So as <laughs> as Steve just alluded to, um, we get a dead kid at this point. That shotgun blast was Shorsky or Georgie getting his head blown off by a shotgun. God. And I, I was a little frozen at this scene because they pan the camera to the living room. And all you see is this kid's lifeless body just laying on the carpet, mm -hmm. blood all over the curtains and the wall. And you see Anna yep. just in complete and utter shock just because she just witnessed her kid getting murdered. 
Yeah. And this scene felt like it felt like it was an hour long of just her in shock that she what she just saw and it dragged and it dragged. Oh my god, this scene dragged on for so long, but I thought it was really cool because it was clearly just one camera panning back and forth. Obviously, she is out of it. She doesn't know what to do at this point other than to just hop over and turn the TV off. And like she's all tied up. That's the only thing that she can think of because there was just like some sort of racing going on in the background. It wasn't NASCAR. It was like F1, whatever. So all she can really think of doing was turn the TV off. The husband's on the floor. He can't do anything because of his broken knee. Like he can't stand. He can't really fight. It's just pure silence. She's trying to walk around or like trying to get to the husband, help him out. And all it's doing is panning back and forth. Now, the beautiful thing about this is that it makes you kind of feel like you're in there because it's so stationary and it's almost like you're on looking, not just watching a movie, but on looking with this whole chaos. At least that's how I felt. I thought because of how long it was and how chaotic and calm at the same time, it felt like I was there. Yeah, it was. It, it kind of does a good job at placing you there because you deal with Anna losing it, and then George finally does. Yeah, he sees what's going on and he loses it. Yeah, and at this point, they're just they're both kind of in shock. You know, she gets George up, sits him on a chair. He's like, "All right, get dressed," and they're just talking like nothing happened. I think they're just they're coping. so yeah. They're in like this coping mode, this freaked out mode where there's. Nothing they can do. They've like, it's almost like they've accepted it and that they have to move on because what's done is done. And at this point, Paul and Peter, they're both gone. They left. They were just like, oh, okay, it happened. And they left. And you're thinking maybe this is the end of it. Maybe that, okay, Anna, the mother gets out. She goes, finds help. They get someone and, you know, happy ending, right? No, this, this was so rough to watch. Because she gets out, she flags a car down, and who do you think it is? It's freaking Paul and Peter in a car. So this is another thing that was a little weird to me because she sees this car initially driving down the road and she hides from it. Yeah. And then she jumps out and flags it down mm-hmm. after so, it drives by. Yeah. I don't know why she did that. Maybe she realized that I probably should have took the chance and gotten help because, you know, what is it? You know, you miss 100% of shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky said, right? So- she missed that chance. And she's like, oh, shit, you know, trying to flag them down. And then she's like, you know what? Next time a car comes around, I'm going to do that. Turns out that was the car that they were in, which, well, that sucks because she probably could have gotten away. They probably wouldn't have been able to find her if she hid properly. But she just led the wolves right back into the den. And this is where it starts to go into the like the final moments of the movie. Like, OK, you know, it's just the two people left. But this is actually also where it goes kind of off the rails with the whole the fourth wall break and the rewinding of something happening. I was so fucking confused. It was very confusing. It's very confusing because Paul, he just looked at the camera and he's like, I bet you're all looking for a happy ending. And that's what he kind of talks about. And I'm like, I know because I saw the remake. I'm like, they're not getting any happy ending at all. This is an absolute mess of a movie. It's very somber. It's very chaotic. If you like crazy movies, you know, it's for you. I'd say this movie would be right up your alley. So he does the whole fourth wall break. And then Peter gets shot by Anna with the shotgun. Like she's able to grab it. She shoots him. He goes flying against the wall, blood everywhere. And Paul, he freaks out and he just goes and grabs the remote control because that's the only thing that he could think of at the time. 
is to grab a remote control and rewind the scene. And they get back to before he got shot. It was very weird. Like, those are the two weird parts of this movie where it's like, oh, okay, that's a little curveball. Yeah, and there was no explanation either. No explanation whatsoever. I think that at that point, they were just like, this movie is so bonkers that we can literally do whatever we want at this point, and people are just going to, like, suffer through it. Now, did they do that rewinding part in the remake? Yes, they did. No explanation there either? Nope. No explanation. Like I said, shot for shot. It's just in English and different actors. Like, the remake has Naomi Watts, Tim Roth, Michael Pitt as Paul, and he is awesome as Paul. Honestly, I think he makes a better Paul than this one. Hmm, Okay. Because he just has that, like, I don't know, crazy kid look to him. Like, he doesn't come from family, but at the same time, he can act like he comes from, like, you know, rich family, that type deal. So uh, I thought he was great in the remake. I recommend checking it out when you have a chance. Or maybe you don't want to subject yourself to another round of this. Yeah, no, I'll probably watch it. Okay, yeah, check it out. You'll be (laughs) like, oh, shit, Steve's right. It's fucking shot for shot. So he does the rewind thing. And then now we're like, okay, yep. It's over. They're screwed at this point. I mean, if they're able to manipulate time, shit's not going to happen for this family. They're done for. So they shoot the husband. But, oh, wait, no, I have to go back because this is when they did the loving wife for the game. Oh, right. Oh, God. As soon as I heard the loving wife, I'm like, oh, I remember this. This is bad. (laughs) Because they forced her to choose between her husband dying via a knife or via a shotgun. And how do you pick? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like in that situation, you'd be like, well, how can he suffer less? You know? And then he got stabbed anyway. Because they were just like, well, let me show you this way. And they did it. And obviously being stabbed, I would assume sucks real bad. I I think I'd rather take the shotgun. Yeah, you go all quicker. Yeah, exactly. If it's to the face, boom, done. That's it. Dead right away. Because I don't think you're coming back from a shotgun to the face. I think that's pretty much it. But a knife... If they're stabbing this dude, it could be hours before he dies. So shotgun, faster way to go. If I was the wife and I had no other choice, I would say shotgun. But then it doesn't matter because she knew she was dead anyways. So she probably should have said shotgun and then whatever for her. But at that point, they pretty much gave up because their kid was dead. They're just like, do whatever. Like, we're done. They even said that. Like, we're done. They gave up. So now we're at this point where... They decide to just go for a boat ride because this movie couldn't get any more ridiculous. Where yeah, like, in the beginning, the beginning of the movie, they show the family they, they were towing a boat with them. Yeah, and yeah. they drop the boat in the water, and and somehow Peter and Paul knew it was there. Mm-hmm. Well, they knew because they helped bring it into the water. Did I don't remember that. Yeah, they helped at the beginning to bring the boat into the water. And that's how they knew where the boat was. And obviously, most of those rich families, they all have boats anyway. So it was probably like a 90-10 chance that they wouldn't have a boat there. Was it a sailboat? Oh, yeah. It was a nice sailboat. Sailboat, yeah. So, yeah. They get on the boat. They go for a friggin' leisurely cruise around the lake. And, Corey, how did you describe it? They just just casually eat Anna off the boat and drive away. (laughs) And that's it? Anna's gone. Yeah, Anna's gone. I'm thinking that that maybe she stood a chance. Like if she's a good floater, perhaps nope, nope. they just they just legit pushed her off the side of the boat, drove away. Yeah, like nonchalantly too. Like she was just sitting there and they're like, "Oops!" And they throw her backwards. It's not like they picked her up and throw her. It's kind of one of those like, "Oh, you know, just push your hand back on them and they fall backwards." So if she's a good floater, maybe she survived. But 
I doubt it. She probably drowned. It's pretty safe to say she oh, yeah. probably drowned. I thought they were going to go back and like chip her up with the motor or something. But then again, they only had a small trolling motor on there, so they probably couldn't have done much. You know that? What? You know what the motor type is on a, that boat? Yeah, I, I go fishing, dude. Well, it's that's a trolling a... motor. It's a, tiny, it's a tiny motor made for a small boat. Good on you. That's impressive. I don't know that. Well, now but, you do. Yeah, now I do. And you learn something new every day. So after that, they go to the next house. And this is what I was saying. This is the second house that they've done. They're about to do a third house. These people do not sleep. They are clearly insomniacs because now they're going to have to do this whole ordeal again for probably another 12 hours. So they're going to be up for probably two days at this point. I mean, there's a whole bunch of people on that lake, I'm sure. They're probably just making the rounds. Just snorting cocaine. Oh, yeah. If they're doing that, then yeah, they're fine. Yeah. They don't have to sleep. No. Corey, what do you give it? Uh, this gets five out of five dead kids easy by me. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do it first. I'm going to do six out of six, six out of five dead Whoa, kids. Oh, a six out of five. Yeah. I'm only going to give that extra one for Georgie. Rest in peace, Georgie. Aww. Um, so this, this was, this, like I said before, this was an extremely unsettling and like fucking nauseating movie at times. Had you on the edge of your seat the whole time and you feel for that family being absolutely helpless as these two crazy people just torture them mentally and emotionally for you know 12 or 13 hours and then they literally just murder their kid in front of them like i can't imagine being a parent and seeing that but yeah that's where i'm going with this one i'll probably watch the remake just because i maybe compare the two but i understand what people are talking about when they reference this movie now yeah i agree uh five out of five because i'm going the classic for me because Whatever, Georgie's dead already. He doesn't get the extra dead kid. No, sorry, Georgie. You're already included in the five. Um, There's no other movie like this. It truly does stand on its own. It's depraved. It's chaotic. It's menacing and completely unsettling between the kid getting murdered first. Well, after the dog, of course. So watching dead animals, dead children, all before the adults is very unsettling. That isn't horror. I don't know what is. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah this is... Go ahead. They touch on all the subjects that, I don't know, that's, it's just hard to deal with. Animals, kids. Also, home invasion type horror movies, I feel like they're scarier because they're realistic. Yeah, like The Strangers fucked with me so hard that's the first crazy. time I saw it. And you think... This is the like the crazy part about those kind of movies is that you're at home. You think you're safe and like that's your domain. You're just home. You're having you're fun. You're doing your thing, whatever. And all of a sudden, there's someone in your house that you don't know. Like now your whole environment's fucked up. Now you think you know what you're going to do. But at the time, you're just like, shit, someone's in my house. What do I do? And this is where they have the upper hand on you because they're like, you know what? No, I'm already in here. They already have a plan. And those kind of horror movies do it for me. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. The ones that, the ones like you said, that are real. It's not supernatural. It's something that can literally happen to any of us. It's happened to plenty of people where there have been break-ins and they've been taken hostage. They've been uh, beaten to death. All this stuff. It's absolutely happened. Absolutely. So uh, five out of five for me. This thing's great. Do you give the remake the same? Do you think it's like shot for shot, like you said, but do you give it the same rating? I would. Okay. Yeah. Because- Shot for shot, same dialogue, same everything. And the scene with the still shot scene after the chaos, same thing. If you watch it side by side, you'd be like, how are they pulling this off so effortlessly? Hmm. Okay. It's great. Uh, they're both great. So check them both out. But with that said, 
everyone, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on all podcast platforms so we can get some more exposure and, of course, tell your friends. We actually just saw some reviews recently, which uh, that made us a little happy, too. So if you rate us a five, it makes us happy. So definitely do that. We're also a part of the Shining Wizards Network. Be sure to visit ShiningWizardsNetwork.com. They're an awesome podcast network, ranging from shows that have to do with heavy metal and wrestling and horror, all sorts of good stuff. So definitely check out all the shows on their network. Visit 30screamsorless.com for all previous episodes and transcripts to go with those episodes. If there's anything you want us to review, send an email to 30screamsorless at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to review, and we may review it on an upcoming episode. Also, please buy our merch. I just threw up something so ridiculous on the store that (laughs) if someone buys it, Corey apparently will eat his hat. Oh, damn it. Now you put that out in the universe. (laughs) So now now is one of those few times where I hope no one listens to this. It's literally a jacket with just a 30 Screams LS logo embroidered. It's it's denim. It's a denim jacket. It is perfect for like just getting patches all over it. It's a battle jacket. Oh, no. (laughs) Now now someone's going to do it just to. Oh, I, I can see it now. Oh, you know, we'll post a photo of you like with a mug of beans. Right. And then your hat on a plate with a fork and knife. I'll do that. I won't eat it, though. Okay, so there's the content. Let's make it happen, everyone. All right, everyone. I'm Steve. I'm Corey. And thanks for listening to 30 Screams or Less. And don't forget to drink your beans. (laughs) 